Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, welcoming you into 2022. We have a great show planned for you today. Lots of football, lots of hockey. Starting off with Joe Crisali talking about the NFL season, my Browns and his Broncos. Just atrocious endings to uh, at least my Cleveland campaign for sure. We break down the playoff picture. 17 weeks in, one more week to go. Still a lot to play for. Is Green Bay the sizable favorite in the NFC? What's the AFC pecking order look like? Can we talk a little hockey with his Rangers tied with the Capitals for the top points in the NHL? The West is wide open. Lots of puck to break down with Joe. Then we move it on to Matt Wittenberg talking college football. More routes in the playoff semifinal matchups. We will get the SEC rematch. Georgia and Alabama in the title game. Ohio State wins a wild Rose Bowl over Utah to say the least. And more thoughts from both seasons. Joe Crisali and Matt Wittenberg on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, it's time to talk uh, our two favorite sports, football and hockey, and both of them are trending in different directions. It's Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Joe, thanks for joining the show. Uh, I know you're already in hockey mode. It was good that both of our teams got eliminated from the playoffs in Week 17, but thanks for taking the time. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they just delayed the inevitable there for us anyway. They delayed the inevitable, and uh, in one case, yeah, it was just like ripping the Band-Aid off. Um, we can kind of start with the Monday night game because I just want to get it out and over with. Uh, oh, my God, what a disastrous performance by the Browns. <laughs> they look horrible, bro. Like, you you were touting a lot about how terrible Baker Mayfield is, and mm. we were just going back and forth about how I hope the Broncos don't think that they can fix him because they're definitely in need of a quarterback as well. Yeah, I, and, was, and honestly, uh, I the more I watched that game, the more I thought maybe Kevin Stefanski is like, I want the whole world to see what I'm dealing with here. Like, I want everybody to know what I'm dealing with so that they have to, the front office has to get me another quarterback because it was brutal. Nine possible. sacks, 10, I think, 10 or 11 straight incompletions. Uh, it wasn't just Baker. The line was falling apart. They made no adjustments on T.J. Watt. They they weren't even really doubling him. They had that rookie tackle that was having to go up one-on-one, -on -one, I think, in his first start. So, uh, yeah, no well, adjustments. It's blatantly obvious that the Browns' offense goes through their run game, so I just am curious why Nick Chubb mm. – only yeah. had 12 carries in that game when every time he touched the ball he was making something happen he completely embarrassed that man stiff arming him into the ground like that was absolutely insane but he only had 12 carries in the game averaging almost five yards a pop and he his first run was 32 yards like he broke it off right at the beginning and you're like okay the browns are going to run through this but it, that game just seemed like one that the browns didn't really even want to win they were just kind of like allowing all that i mean nine sacks is pretty nuts on, on the qb is. but baker mayfield i think the stat is that he's got the most batted balls at the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. in the in the nfl so that's definitely a problem yeah um he's also got the most interceptions in the last three years as well i think it's like 54 now so just really great numbers there and i don't know if you watch <laughs> i don't know if you watch the manning cast but they were calling the chub thing out like Whenever he wasn't next to Baker in the backfield, it was basically a disaster every time. The one-third down, they had Hooper next to Baker in the, in the shotgun. It was like, okay, obviously a sack happened after that. Um, you know, it was unfortunate because the Steelers aren't even that good of a team. Like, that game would have been there from a taking from a competent offense, but alas. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff that happened in that game on the Brown side just seemed like it was so nonchalant. 
Like nobody was really trying very hard. It seems for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty nuts. Um, and, uh, you know, they have a lot to discuss in the off season. I think the move is to get a veteran quarterback, not just because the weak uh, QB class uh, this year coming in weakish, I should say. Um, but also the fact that I think that if you have competent veteran play, and maybe on the off chance that Baker heals, he can give them something more. But you got to get a veteran, competent, bona fide starting guy in, whether it's a, a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins type, or at least at the very least somebody that can compete with Baker. You can't just hand him the job. Um, you know, I, I still hold to the fact, Joe, that the only good thing about this is thank God we didn't give him the big extension and they're only picking up the last year of his rookie deal next year. Yeah, I mean, that's the best you could hope for, but. Sometimes players on the last year of their deal play the best football that they can play. Yeah. So it's definitely possible that he does something next year, but it's highly questionable, I guess we'll say. But looking at the standings right now, seeing Denver 7-9, and Cleveland 7-9, and both equally terrible, both mm-hmm. unable to make that push when all the pieces are there, when everyone is kind of touting these teams. Like, at the beginning of the year, we were both kind of like, oh, Browns, you know, they're – People are talking about them winning the division and making a push in the playoffs. They have a really good roster, and then they kind of blew it. And everybody was all on the Broncos this year, like, oh, you know, the Broncos, they have a solid solid roster. But I think what it came down to in the Broncos' case was just bad coaching. Like, they, their offense was terrible throughout the entire season. Their defense was solid uh-huh. uh, for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, they're really good secondary. Sertan is amazing. I mean, they were making some plays on the defensive side, but mm-hmm. the offense just was terrible. Well, and yeah. I don't know if that was not handing the ball off in the backfield too much, but Melvin Gordon and Javante well, Williams give the ball to Williams really more. Good, like Williams yeah, needs really more good carries. one-two yeah. punch. Yeah. yeah, really good one-two punch. And like the receivers they have are are amazing. Jerry Judy is one of the best route runners in the league. I mean, I guess in my opinion, Cortland Sutton came back this year. He you know, he had a couple of good games, but I feel like he wasn't targeted enough. And Tim Patrick, you know, no drops last year. He did not do much this year. Yeah. It just seemed like Shermer really didn't incorporate the players on the offense the best that he could. And I think we all, all as Broncos fans saw that coming. Yeah. Um, and for the Browns, I mean, Stefanski is a good coach, uh, at least it seems. But, like, you bring a guy in who, I, I can't remember, it was the Browns was like, had seven or eight losing seasons in a row or something like that and he came in and what would they win 11 games last year mm-hmm. and then now he's kind of this year got a real taste of what this team is yeah i and and just to kind of go off of you know browns broncos the symmetry there it's funny how one game can kind of flip a season you know for the browns it was that first steelers game where they just didn't show up at home had this momentum lost to a team that could only you know put up like 16 points or so didn't have a kicker for your broncos it was that eagles game i thought I thought that's the game that flipped the season. There was a lot of momentum there. Team was kind of riding high. And in Denver, Philly, who I mean, look what Philly did. They just went out and made the playoffs as a result. So it's funny how yeah. one game can flip it. I do agree that both teams need the playoffs. Um, both, you know, for Stavansky, he obviously needs a quarterback. And it feels a lot like McVay where he just wants somebody else at the helm, even if they made the playoffs and won a game the year before. I, I don't think that, like, I'm 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 torn on whether or not Vic Fangio is the answer because on one hand 
like his defense works. Like we can debate like the offense, the inefficiencies, but like if he gets fired, Joe, he's going to have a coordinator job like immediately because his defense does work. That's, but it's a question of that's the struggle. You know, yeah, that's the struggle. Is that defense is that good because of him? And so it works everywhere he they, goes. You know, everywhere he goes. I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily want them to fire him. Like I wouldn't throw all of the mm-hmm. blame on him. Um, but. They need they need offense, but when you have Drew Locke throwing passes, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater throwing passes, I mean, there's only so much you can do, only so much you can depend on. But I want to go back to your talking about one game, like that loss at home to Philly was brutal, but that was coming off a road win at Dallas, a thirty mm-hmm. to sixteen win at Dallas. Yeah. So you're watching that game, and you're like, okay, the Broncos, you know. But then mm-hmm. they came out of the bye, and they beat the Chargers, and but from there it was just sadness, and it <laughs> yeah. wasn't. And it didn't have anything to do with the defense. The The last three losses, I mean, we'll, we'll discount the last Chargers game, but when they played the Raiders and the Bengals, they only gave up 15 to the Bengals and 17 to the Raiders. It's just kind of like mm-hmm. because their offense couldn't score anything. That was the only yeah. reason why. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the way that the season played out. I also think, too, I mean, I, I'm not going to just lament on Ben Roethlisberger. Obviously, I don't like him. Uh, but oh, uh, He's the worst, man. He, he, he costed me. <laughs> 18, years of, um, 18 years of pro football, no losing seasons. And, you know, same with Tomlin. He hasn't coached the losing team either way. They're still mathematically in it, though most likely it's not going to happen. They need a lot of breaks to make the playoffs. But the stat that I saw that was just mind-boggling, Joe, was that he's only played in two games his whole career where he hasn't been in playoff contention. So they're in it to the it's end nuts. of the year, which is crazy. That's nuts. I also don't think... But just uh, like, that's like just skating by by the skin of his teeth. I know. And a lot of times they don't make it, and you know stuff happens, and it's still, you know there is a chance week 17, week 18... Uh, I also don't think this has happened either. And correct me, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever have a way to prove this, but can you think of another time when a division had three teams make it from one year and then only one, the diff, the fourth team makes it the next year? Because that's what, that's know, what happened in the AFC North. All, last year it was Browns, Ravens, and Steelers all in the playoffs, and this year just the Bengals. Yeah, but, I mean, if you think about it, that's that's everyone counted the Bengals out this year. I, I mean, know, man. I had I, a – I, I could say I had a feeling that they were going to be good. I, I knew Joe Burrow was going to be oh good. Oh, my but it God, was he's going to kill dead. me. He's going to kill me these next 10 to 15, 20 years. Because <laughs> when you go through their roster, when I went through the roster at the beginning of the year, it's like, yeah, they have offense, but they have nobody on defense. Every game is going to be like 50 to 40. And that's worked for them. <laughs> so, I mean, good for them. They're they're a really good offensive team, and they proved that against KC, like, you know, those two games in a row, Burrow threw for, well over 1,000 yards. I mean, he's got the best – got to be the best receiving core in the nfl i mean mm. how are you going to count yeah. against that and and they have um the camaraderie like they played together at lsu jamar chase and him so he he knows he knows what to do with that team and joe mixon coming around into full form and um yeah, you can't forget i don't t- think t- zach higgins getting either. credit yeah, you can't forget T. Higgins either. He's been stepping up. You're right about Zach Taylor. He took it on the chin, but when he got his guy in there, you know, it's Burrow, though. I mean, Burrow takes shots, and I was wrong, obviously, like we all were, saying they should have drafted Sewell and they should have taken a lineman to protect him. He is still getting hit hard, but he can take the hits. He can hold on to the ball. When I watch Burrow play, I know it's like there's players with better gifts, Justin Herberts, Patrick Mahomes, and whatnot. I know people want to say Brady in the, in the deep comparison, but I actually see more of that Joe Cool, Joe Montana from a throwback because he just has this like poise yeah. and swagger where it's like it, it's like what it's what the Browns fans wanted from Baker, but 
with Joe, yeah. it's more un, with Burrow, it's more understated, and you know he. he but has instead, it, but yeah. <laughs> instead, with Baker, they got they got better commercials. It's ridiculous. <laughs> instead of better play on the field, it's yeah. got to be hard for you to watch to watch those games and see Baker and like was it like a progressive commercial or something where he's just cracking jokes and stuff, and you're just like, oh my god, dude, like be better at quarterback. <laughs> I know it was what was it? But, it was when they were talking to it was on the Manning cast last night. It was like. Peyton said something like between Rogers, who's coming up as a guest, and, and Baker and himself, they've got the insurance market covered tonight. It is all these yeah, quarterbacks yeah, talking talking insurance. But no, I, I agree with you. I think I think the biggest thing is like the Bengals, they were counted out. They can move the ball and they can they can, you know, make plays against good elite teams. Uh that Chiefs win was huge and it was one most people didn't have. And, you know, they went from thinking that they were gonna have to play all the way down to the season and now they can, you know, essentially kick their feet up. There's still an outside chance, Joe, that they can get the number one seed. Won't happen, but just to be in that discussion is just crazy. But how nuts is it though that Tennessee is the first overall seed right now without they didn't have AJ Brown for I wanna yeah, say like six yeah. games. Well, well, been out. I'll Henry be fair. Been I mean, Vrabel deserves coach of the year, uh, for sure. They've only gone three they, they started out so well. Henry goes down. They went three and three in their last six against some pretty mediocre at best teams. But you have to give them credit for just holding on, you know, just holding on through the end of the year. They got some fortuitous breaks with the Chiefs lost, and now the the playoffs go through Nashville. I'm actually gonna say I'm a little disappointed with what the matchups might look like if we want to move on to that for the playoffs because I don't want to see round threes of a lot of the. I don't want to see Bills Patriots round three. I'd rather see a fresh matchup. Yeah, but I mean. Throwing Cincinnati in there, you're going to get something fresh anyway, and mm-hmm. the Chargers with this added team. So, I mean, I think I think it could work out. Well, let's but, let's look at it though, because I want to look at the AFC right now here, Joe, uh, here on the Money Mitch Effect, because we got uh, what could be Bengals and Colts in the first round, which could be something something to see. And if the Chiefs get that two seed, they're going to get a round three against Chargers or Raiders, which we'll talk about that mm-hmm. game a little later. But the Chiefs, man, I mean, they're. You know, everybody was like, okay, they're back, everything's great, they're fine, and obviously Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill are amazing, but that defense got gashed last week, and, I mean, that looked like the same defense from early in the season. So here's why that Kansas City defense is just, I hate them, <laughs> because <laughs> hate them. Yeah. last week, last week in, uh, it was like the, was it the semifinals or whatever, in mm-hmm. one of the leagues I'm in, mm-hmm. I, I have, I have more, and... I was doing, I had to stream a QB and I was just like, hmm, the only one. And the guy that I was playing picked oh, up no. two available quarterbacks. So I, I was choosing between literally my two only choices were Zach Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger. And I was like, well, Ben's playing the Kansas City defense. They give up oh, no. like the fourth most, fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks or whatever. And I was like, hmm, my gut's telling me Zach Wilson, but it's the F and Jets. Like, how am I going to trust that? I also don't like Ben Roethlisberger. So I didn't go with my gut, which is a lesson that I seemingly can never learn. And I chose Roethlisberger, and he had like one of the worst. He had the worst game he had the entire season against the Chiefs defense. So I see the Chiefs defense playing really well at home, and then I see them going and playing Cincinnati and just um, giving up hella points. So I was kind of hoping for that. And Ben Roethlisberger cost me a chance at a ship in that league, which, of course, you know how it works when you lose and you play in the third-place game. Your team absolutely goes off. And that's exactly what happened. So um, I'm salty about the Chiefs D. I'm salty about Ben Roethlisberger. And, but I, my preseason bet was Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl. So I definitely think that that's a possibility. 
Um, I don't know how they're going to play having to go into Tennessee or into another, um, you know, yeah. stadium well, to play. But What would you rank as whatever. the top teams in the AFC right now going into the playoffs? Like, take the numbers out of it. Who are, like, let's say the top three in terms of chances to get to the Super Bowl? Not not counting your bet, obviously. I, I still think KC okay. is – is up there. Um, it's hard to count out Tennessee because they always seem to find themselves in at least the championship game. Um, but it's it's hard to say against Cincinnati. Like they just beat Kansas City. They're a really good team. Yeah. Um, I don't so, trust Buffalo. They don't. I have would a see. I would put Buffalo and, ahead of. I would put Buffalo ahead of Cincy, and uh, I would put KC one for sure. But I put probably Buffalo two still. I probably don't know if I'd have Tennessee then, three. I think I'd have Cincy three, and Tennessee's not in the top three. Even with the one C, which is crazy to say, but I just yeah. I mean, the, we're also looking at these quarterbacks too, right? And I just trust. I try. I know the running mm-hmm. game is one thing, but maybe they have a run game, and it's the quarterback that's six six and two hundred seventy pounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have said I would have said Indianapolis. They were on a streak there. They dude, were looking real good, dude. They had, but it's the quarterback. That game to, it's the quarterback. Yeah, like that's you know if Wentz was. I agree with you, roster wise. Like I think they're top three for sure, but. I don't trust him. It's hard. It's hard for them, yeah, because they they look really good. And then, how do you lose a game like that to the Raiders at home? Uh, I mean, that's that's tough. I'm not going to put them up there, but I would say KC is probably one. Um, I don't know. It's I don't I don't trust Buffalo, but like you said, Josh Allen is MVP caliber player. I mean, we still haven't even mentioned New England yet, but. Um, no, and, and that's like, they played the Jaguars. But yeah, you know they got a good defense. Mac Jones plays well. It just depends on how much they are able to put on his shoulders during the game. Like if they're not rushing the ball forty times, you know how's it how's it going to work out for him? But depends. Like mm-hmm. I don't yeah. see New England yeah. struggling. I, I think they're they're just as good as the the field that's in the playoffs in the AFC right now. So I think they have a shot. Um, that like we talked about earlier, the Kansas City defense hard to trust. They're giving up mad points on the road. Depends who, who they're playing, and but it's interesting though that we're talking about the AFC in this regard compared to past years where the NFC was like you know every mm-hmm. team that was in it was just like holy crap they all have a chance to win yeah. it. But that's kind of flipped the script and what we're looking at in the AFC this year, and it's kind of fun except for the fact that. Denver and Cleveland are terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun at all. Um, I, I think the Patriots, you can't count them out, obviously. I just think it's tough to trust a rookie QB as good as Max Spin his first go-around in the playoffs. It's always a challenge. And also the fact that the last two times they played, t- I, I'd say, the last two times they played actual NFL teams, not counting the Jaguars, were the Colts and <laughs> Bills, yeah. and they did not look good. They, they, they did not look good in those games. So the last two times they played playoff teams, they struggled. So we'll see. But that's wide open. Uh, the NFC... I mean, I'll ask you this to point it mildly. They already clinched the one seed, did the Packers. Do you think there's a sizable gap between them and the next team that's a contender? Or do you think it is going to be like that crapshoot? And, you know, obviously upsets can happen, but do you think in your mind the Packers look like they're a sizable favorite going into the playoffs? I mean, obviously they're the favorite now, but I don't think there's a huge difference between uh, Green Bay the Rams and Tampa Bay. I wouldn't throw Dallas in there. Uh, they looked pretty bad offensively last week um, against an Arizona team that I think is on their last leg. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do you think that? Um, I mean, do you think I, it I, might be the fact that? Because I think there is a gap, but I, I agree. The, the Packers are, are like you, I agree with what you said earlier. Like the AFC is 
looks like the deeper, more premier conference right now. I think the Packers don't look like a flawless team, but I think all the no. other teams have huge red flags. Like last year, Tampa was much more healthy. I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on with Matt Stafford no, these I last agree. few weeks, too. And I just think that all these teams have flaws, so it might be the de facto Packers year but with the breaks. I would I would even go as far as saying like the Rams would be that team, but Stafford just can't stop throwing pick sixes these last few weeks. Well, that's the thing with Stafford is we forget going into the season, he didn't practice like at all due to an injury. And I think that's kind of the year is kind of catching up to him right now. But Green Bay, I, I mean, obviously they're a favorite, but I wouldn't put them far ahead. But like you said about Tampa Bay, like they definitely have problems right now. I mean, I mean, oh, they're one yeah. of their premier wide receivers just <laughs> yeah. ran off the field during the game. Like, that was, have you ever seen anything like it? Have you ever seen anything like that in any sport? I have not. Like, while the game was going on, he's jumping in the end zone, like, with his shirt off. It's kind of nuts. Um, I'm not going to berate him or say that no. uh, he's garbage or whatever. He's def- he's clearly got some problems that he's got to deal mm-hmm. with. But I don't know if you saw the clip where Mike Evans was trying to talk him out of it yeah. uh, from the sideline there. But that's – as for Brady, that's got to be tough because the only reason that Brown was in the league was because of him. Like, he brought him over. Everywhere yeah. that Brady's gone, like, he Brown's in – New England with him, and now he's over in Tampa Bay. Now he's gone. But it's got to suck for a team to have to answer questions about somebody like that. But you know that's what the media is going to go after is that's the story. But for, like you said, Tampa Bay, Lenny's been out. Ronald Jones just got hurt. Their third string, Keyshawn Vaughn, just got hurt. So they're down to Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. And for their receivers, Mike Evans was out for a little while. He just got back last week. And he's he's throwing to dudes. Brady, I, I said he probably <laughs> yeah. feels like – He's back in New England throwing to freaking yeah. who, who knows who. That dude who He's scored the touchdown six, 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 yeah, didn't even play college football. Didn't even play college football. So you're just looking at this roster and you're like, all right, so Chris Godwin's out. He's still got Gronk, but that's the thing is when he's throwing to Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Brashad Perriman, whatever, people are going to be able to hone in on Gronk. And that kind of mm-hmm. showed last week with even the Jets. Like, they shut him down. Having a have a two minute game winning drive against the Jets as a eleven and four team is kind of sketchy, but um, hey, he still Rams figured out a way to do by. it though. Hey, Brady still figured out a way to beat the Jets. He created a new way to beat the Jets. I, I thought he <laughs> yeah, ran that out. was uh, <laughs> that was very familiar for Jets fans, I'm sure, to see to see that happen in front of their very eyes again. But I I I wouldn't necessarily count out the Rams yet. That defense. Looks like it's kind of rounding in mm-hmm. to itself. Von Miller made a big play there at the end of the game. Um, obviously, you know, they got some studs over there. But for the Rams, it's just kind of like you said, Stafford's got to get it together <laughs> for the most part. But they have had some um, good performances from players that we weren't really talking about at the beginning of the year. Like, you know, Van Jefferson has, has really solidified himself as their deep ball guy. Beckham yeah. came over and he's kind of turned into what he was before oh, Cooper Cup, best receiver in the league right now. Like, yeah, that's got to suck for you. Um, but they've, they've dealt with injuries on their own hand. Like, you know, Robert Woods went down. So like I said, Jefferson stepped up, they lost Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle stepped up and now they might get Cam Akers back during the playoffs. So, so I, I think it would be unwise to count the Rams out. Um, I mean, they got lucky last week against a COVID and injured ravaged, Ravens team, but they were playing for something over there, so um, that that is what it is. But I think we're looking at Green Bay and Rams and Tampa Bay, the top three, obviously, yeah, um, having the best chance. One of those three to come through. Hoping me, I'm hoping it's the Rams because that was my preseason pick there. 
but um, we'll see. I had, yeah, I had Rams Chiefs and yeah, Rams being the Chiefs. Yeah, I had Rams Bills, so we'll see if that happens. Um, less confident now than obviously I was preseason, but and and just to kind of go on the Cowboys. Something with Dak right now, just a little off. And I know Gallup got hurt. That's a huge loss. Um, you know, I just, there, there's something not clicking. Like, it's weird. It's like all the pieces are there. They're relatively healthy outside of the Gallup injury. But something's just off. Losing that game, kind of going away to the Cardinals at home wasn't good. Uh, so we'll it's, see. I think it has something to do, though, with, like you said, the receiving core not being all intact. Like, Amari Cooper has been so up and down every mm-hmm. single game mm-hmm. all year. He hasn't eclipsed 100 yards since October. So, I mean, last week he had three catches for 18 yards in yeah. a game that they, you know, were trying. And C.D. Lamb, they all kind of just look like they've had enough out there. But I do like Cedric Wilson stepping in for them. He's he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, without Gallup, it seems like he's going to count on Schultz a little bit more. But, I mean, that worked out for them at the beginning of the year. But we'll see. It just seems like they're not a super healthy team. Like Ezekiel Elliott doesn't look like himself out there either. So same with Cooper. But I wouldn't put them ahead any of those top. They're probably even with Arizona, even after taking that L to them. So how do we see the playoffs breaking out? So I'm going to go out on a limb here and saying, you think the Colts beat the Jaguars? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the only way for the Steelers to get in, right? Yeah. The Jaguars beat the Colts. I think they, yeah, but then I think they might need something. There might be a, a tiebreaker, like they might need Raiders or Chargers that game to break a certain way as well. But obviously, the first leg of that is Colts over Jaguars. So we're saying Colts get in. We're saying Titans beat the Texans and get in as the uh, number one seed too. Who who are you giving the number one seed to? T- Titans have to beat the Texans. Who, by the way, Davis Mills, another quarterback. I would they take look over, good. I would take over I'm Baker Mayfield. The out, man. I'm not counting the Texans. Wouldn't you take out. Mills in Chargers. Denver? If Mills was the Denver quarterback, you'd be like, okay, we can work with this. Yeah, I if Mills. I would say he's better than uh, Locke. And I don't Bridge, know about Teddy Bridgewater, I think he but is. He, he is. I think. The Texans. The Texans have kind of turned into not a good team, but a respectable enough right. team where. I mean, they went into San San Francisco and they stuck in the whole game. I mean, granted, it was against a rookie quarterback, but coming okay. off that big win against the Chargers, like, okay, you know, they they're just playing for pride. It seems so, like. So, who you got in Vegas on Sunday night, taking that seven seed? Then, hmm. hmm, let's see, who's Vegas playing? The Chargers. Yeah i I don't see I don't see Vegas beating. The Chargers. I know they went in and beat Indianapolis on the road, but it's hard to it's hard to count count the Chargers out. You know, I it's also biased because I dislike Vegas more than I dislike the Chargers right now. Yeah. Even though it would have been nice to have Justin Herbert on our team, but whatever. Um, I think it's going to be Chargers. Yeah. I. Uh huh. I agree with that. That game's going to be going to be nuts. I think it's going to be good. The Raiders have fought admirably through all their off-field stuff and everything they've had to deal with just to be even in this position. And the Chargers have choked big games away in the past, but I think they win this one on the road. And I think the Chargers get that seven seed, which would shape up to be maybe Chargers-Chiefs round three, you know, two crazy games in the first uh, when they played this year. Maybe a little Colts-Bengals and maybe a little Bills-Patriots in the AFC. Uh, NFC, it's pretty simple, Joe. Niners win, they're in. Niners lose, and the Saints win, and then the Saints are in. So we'll see. Niners I don't think anybody wants to watch the Saints 
in the playoffs. Right, so but they're please. but the Saints. <laughs> but here's the thing: the odds are that they look like they're probably going to make it. You know, because the Rams are the favorite team in that matchup, and the Falcons are you know underdogs at home over the Saints. But I'll go. See, here's the thing, though: if the Rams, the Rams need to win this game for the division, because if they lose this game in Arizona beats Seattle, then Arizona gets the win and the division. Yeah, which is definitely possible. I do love how everything is coming down to the wire. It's pretty cool. I'm going to go with doomsday scenario, right? I'm going to go with Rams beat the – I'm going to go with Rams lose to the Niners. Niners are in. But then Arizona also loses to Seattle because Russ and DK just decide to play spoiler. So Rams lose and still win the division. That way we can get a better playoff, maybe some better matchups. Because Shanahan owns yeah, that, Sean McVay. That's the other thing. Five straight wins for the Niners. And we don't know which quarterback's playing Jimmy G or Trey Lance, but five straight wins for the Niners over the Rams. If – I don't know, dude. I think I think the Rams are going to win that game. I know, but I, I just want I a better playoff. I don't want the Saints in the playoffs. I'm just That's the only reason I'm making that pick. <laughs> but you, that's the thing, too, is the Saints don't look good at all anyway, so – Falcons are seven and nine. They're respectable, so I think the Falcons could play spoiler there okay. for you and beat the okay. Saints in that game. Okay, and then it doesn't matter if the Niners lose to the Rams nice. or not. Nice, my man. Well, all right, Joe Crisali here on the Money Mitch Effect. I, I've saved a portion of uh, the show for another topic. We were going to talk baseball, but I don't think Rob Manfred let us. So uh, we could. <laughs> they don't even want to talk baseball to each other. They're they're even <laughs> refusing to have meetings about it. So. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, hockey. How about this? The top team in the NHL right now. You know who that is? Uh, yeah. Hey, big win for your Rangers over the Oilers last night, four to one. Um, doing well, obviously, with the points lead, uh, forty six points, twenty two eight and four, forty eight points. Excuse me. Um, tied with the uh, Washington Capitals atop all of the NHL. And, Joe, it's just been a uh, remarkable run for your guys. Um, the depth has been big. And, and you know, Georgiev, Shesterkin, whoever you put back there seems to be playing well in goal. Um, there's a lot to like about this team. This is, uh, you know, I'll let you gush for a little bit. But, no, they've, they've, got, they've rounded into form, and uh, I don't really see that many weaknesses. They're just good, man. It's just, like you said, the depth is what does it. When you got guys like Barclay Goodrow, that signing that we all kind of questioned of how much money they were paying him, like that's worked out. And the young guys, the thing is that they don't have as much pressure on them this year as they did in previous years. Like Kako, he came in second overall pick, and everyone was like, okay, this guy needs to score 50 goals to be good. But now it's kind of like, do your thing. Kreider's going to pot 20. And Panarin is, is going to have a good year. Zibanejad, we got other guys that can do these things. You just mm-hmm. focus on what you need to focus well, on. Don't you think and, it's great that, like, the talk of, like, you know, Kreider was a big one of, like, okay, well, maybe they're going to move on from him because this is a young upstart team. Not just because he's you know, holds a special plate in your place and you're an all-Ranger fan's heart, but you need players like Chris Kreider on good teams. Yeah. So that well, was they keeping have a him totally different. That's the that's the thing about the Rangers this year is they have a they have an identity now. They they didn't in previous years. They were kind of just trying to put it all together and figure it out. They got the right guys in the right positions. Like I love bringing Ryan Reeves over, kind of adding a little fierceness to it. And you can see these guys like I can't remember what game who they were playing, but Lafreniere got into a fight in a game, and Reeves was on the ice and he went up to him and he was like, "That's my boy." Like you know, like they're all kind of meshing 
as a team. And it's just fun to watch because it looks like they're having fun out there and it's, it's you know, mm-hmm. shows on the, on the screen. Well, yeah. And that game last night playing the Oilers who were trending in a different direction. Um, you know, everyone's going to say same old Oilers, you know, they get to a point and then they start, you know, petering out They're two, two, six and two in their last 10. I, it is a lot of the same problems, Joe, but I think part of it is, you know, they don't have. I mean, I like I like I like Darnell Nurse. I think he's a good defenseman. I don't think he's a workhorse defenseman. I think you need that type of guy. And you know, Adam Fox Norris Trophy winner. You know what that's like. But it's not just about the points and the numbers you put up. It's about controlling the game and making it so you're not just spending countless minutes and shifts in your own end. And I just don't think the Oilers have that guy. Um, and I think that's been their undoing is their back line is very weak and they play deep teams like the Rangers, like the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs, and they just wear them down. Nice. They just don't have the depth. No. They have the top They have the top line covered, and the guys that are behind just haven't really put it together for them. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to oiler themselves out, <laughs> but comparing yeah. them to a team like the Rangers right now, who are firing on all cylinders. I just, you know, well, I definitely would pick, pick no, the Rangers. No, for sure. And it's funny how the East looks. Obviously, we know that, you know, we're back to a traditional playoff format. And there's the, the COVID issues. There's games in hand issues with all that. But you see how it looks, right? There's six teams that have kind of just separated themselves from everybody else. I mean, Rangers are, all due respect to the Rangers, but they could finish third in this division still with how good the Capitals and Carolina they are. Could. That's, that's going to be a race yeah. all the way through. And then you have in the you have in the Atlantic, Tampa, Florida, and Toronto are all just bottled up as well. Um, I, I actually think Florida. I mean, we talked about this. Tampa, it's going to be really hard to three peat. It's uh, damn near impossible. It's hard to ever do historically. Uh, I think Toronto is a little is doing well. They probably have to make some moves to get over that hump. I think Florida has as much talent as any team in the league, and a lot like the Rangers, they're kind of in a newer, uncharted territory. Will the goaltending hold up is my thing. Because offensively, I would probably take, I mean, it would be a very short list of teams, if any, that I would take over the Panthers offensively. But will the goaltending hold up? I mean, well, just like you said, Spencer Knight hasn't been what they thought he was going to be for them. So they've kind of just been counting on their guy to uh, to put it it in perspective for them. But um, Mm -hmm. nine goals against Tampa Bay. I know. I'm, you know, like Duclair, man. Like said, we all the, missed on Duclair. That's, yeah, that's nuts. But that kind of takes away from the Rangers beating Tampa Bay twice in a row. But uh, Florida's good, man. They count on your dude Bobrovsky back there. He's been okay. But they're kind of – I see the Panthers kind of make this comparison where they're like the Bengals, you know. <laughs> they can just score. Yeah, that's a good one. And Joe Burrow is Barkov. Kind of, Barkov is Joe Burrow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you were talking about how like Duclair has kind of turned himself into an incredible uh, player for them. So they got guys, they got guys that can score, and they're they have a deep team too. Panthers, they Panthers, do. Rangers would be a sick playoff. Oh yeah, if that could be a conference final or a second round, depending on. I think it would have to be a conference final based on we're back to the traditional format. But you know, right now you have Pittsburgh as that seven seed with forty one points, and you know, typical Penguins, they just figure out a way to to hold it together with scotch tape with some injuries. They're 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 well on the hunt. That eighth spot right now held by the Bruins, but hey, my Jackets are three points out. You got the Flyers two points out. Detroit's in the mix. I mean, they're finally having what a resurgence. You- 
but do you even think that the team that gets that second wild card spot is going to have a shot? Like, no. I feel like the no. And if it's like if it's crazy. Columbus, I mean, look, if it's Boston, right? Like they've had a rough year. Flyers have had a rough year. I know you love that. Uh, but but if it's a younger team, you know, like even the Devils have won a couple games. If it's Columbus, one of those, even Detroit, let's say. They're going to use it as like a learning experience with a roster of guys that they weren't expecting to make the playoffs. They need more talent to make a run. They're they're going to compete for that playoff spot. But yeah, I, I don't. I mean, yeah. obviously, I don't think they would. That would be a monumental upset. This is not a. You know, the teams that make those upsets, Joe, we know are usually the teams with a lot of talent that underachieve early in the season that are injured and they just you know get healthy and hot at the end of the year. But it all comes back to talent. Have, have we even seen a flip of the guard as much as we have this year? compared to the teams that were in it last year. Like, yeah, I mean, you're, looking at, you're talking about Detroit having a chance to go in, but yeah, Montreal is like the worst team in the league. The Islanders mm. have been trashed, but that's... I know you love that. Rabid. I know you love that, yeah. too. <laughs> and then you look at, you know, you look at um, the West, and you're just like, okay, Colorado's in a wild card spot. Anaheim is second in the Pacific, which I told you they had a chance, yeah. man. The Blues, though. Those young guys. But then you're looking at... Uh, you know, your your Vancouver pick from last year also not looking good this year. Dallas, yeah, I, I, hasn't been great. I did not pick shit. Vancouver again. <laughs> I know I you admitted my mistake and I got the heck out of there. But then you look at like Dallas. We thought they would kind of you know push forward, but these teams aren't that far out. We thought Chicago was going to be really good. They have been pretty bad. Seattle, bleh, you know, but. I don't know. I'm just stoked about my Rangers because I wasn't really necessarily anticipating them putting it all together as this quickly. Um, but I had right. my doubts in Drury putting that team together, but they, they're looking real good, man, and it's going to be hard. It's going to hurt even more <laughs> like right. if anything happens uh, right. negatively for them moving the, forward. But I'm excited, dude. Yeah, you should be. I mean, this is a, this is a golden opportunity as a fan, and it happened that the rebuild happened pretty fast relative uh, the West is completely. They straight up Yankee that. They oh. Yankee that rebuild, man. New York knows how to rebuild quick. Can I also say how much I like it uh, more and more each day? I like the Seth Jones trade to Chicago for Columbus. Sillinger's <laughs> playing as an 18 year old. He's doing well, and more picks coming. I mean, it's great. Um, West is wide open, man. I mean, you got the Blues atop the Central Division. They they storm past Minnesota in the outdoor game, but that division is close. So wouldn't I mean Colorado is underachieved. They're five points out of the division, so. I'm not, you know, not giving up on them yet either. And it could be, I mean, Anaheim has looked good, but it could be Vegas' year. I mean, the way it's shaping up for Vegas, I think this is a chance for them to really break through. If Robin Lanier, I mean, I, I say goaltending a lot, but I do think that it, it's been building to this point for them. I think this has got to be a year for Vegas and, you know, surveying the scene. I think coming out of this Pacific Division shouldn't be that hard for them. Well, that's the other thing, too, about Vegas is they're – Got, they have the most goals scored the entire year, and Mark Stone has been out for a good chunk of the season, and he's out again. Pacioretty just got hurt, and they're still at the top. So, I mean, they're firing on all cylinders without having all cylinders, and then when they get everybody back, they're, they're going to be a hard team to beat. And I don't necessarily think Calgary or – I mean, Anaheim, good story, but I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, power past them. Um, St. Louis has been good. Um, you're just kind of waiting for Colorado to put it together, you know? And I feel like that could be scary for Vegas, you know, coming through. 
Colorado Vegas would be a sick matchup too in the playoffs. Just hopefully it doesn't come in the first round. But Colorado was getting. I feel like Colorado started out pretty hot. Owen Byron was looking real good for them. He got hurt. He has. He only played twelve games this year. Um, they just haven't totally put it together. Yeah. Nate McKinnon only played eighteen games. Only got three goals. So. I think they're going to make their move. I, I think they're going to make their move, and I think Minnesota's going to make their move with uh, Capril the throw over there, and I think they might be the top two teams in that division when all said and done. Yeah. Also, can we talk about that Winter Classic game? Jerseys were sick. Coldest game ever. Blues awesome. getting off in beachwear. Blues getting off the bus in beachwear. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Bennington? Bennington yeah. said that he bought like 30 Lumberjacks shirts for everyone yeah. to wear, and then they went against it. He was That's like, yeah, so if you guys funny. need a Lumberjack shirt, That's let so me know. Funny. That's why they're the best. I love it. No, it's great, man. And I know you're excited. I know that if the Rangers, you know, keep it going. I mean, basically, when will it just be like you'll be bubbling? Like, if you win one playoff round, if you get conference final, when does that get to a point where you're just like ready to explode? One Winning one playoff round, you're the immediate thought in your head is like, okay, Stanley Cup, baby, here we go. You're come. doing the math, in your and then head. You're, you're like twelve wins away. You're like twelve wins away. I just gotta just keep. Yeah, you know. I mean, you're checking them off as they go. I know. So, but like you said, they got. They, I feel like they're in. I feel like the East is the same. I'm happy we talked about football first. And <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I just had to get that out of the way. It's the same way. It's like the AFC is the East, where it's just like, damn, all these teams have a chance. And then you look at the West, and you're like, okay, it's pretty top-heavy right now. But it's going to be like, if the Rangers are going to win, like they're going to have to beat some teams, man. Like You're talking about Florida being really good, Tampa Bay really good, Toronto. Washington is right there. It's always the Capitals, dude. Every time the Rangers Ovechkin have to get just through, set, just, had, just set the power play record all time. I mean, he's not slowing down. It's insane. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. It's definitely not going to be easy. And that, that's that's what makes it fun. So, um, I mean, I'm stoked. Ovechkin is ridiculous, dude. How the, the fact that he's still doing what he's doing is insane. Dude's been in the league since 2005. I mean, it, come on. It is crazy, and it's crazy that, like, before the playoffs, we weren't the only one. Before the season started, we're all picking playoff teams. We weren't the only one. There's so much parity in this league, which is great. Teams like the Rangers can rebuild, and we're picking teams, and a lot of people like ourselves were stupidly like, well, you know, Penguins and Capitals, like, this could be the step back here, and then here they are again, just right where they always <laughs> where they always belong. Yeah, they're, like, they're like, dude, shut up. But for Pittsburgh, like, they're getting they're getting production out of guys that, you know, aren't necessarily their top tier players. Like, uh, Evan Rodriguez has been awesome for them. Latang's having a good year. Typical for him. Gensel is their top point getter. Crosby has been okay, but he's only played 19 games for them. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Pittsburgh's deep enough. Like you look at the mm-hmm. rosters, Rangers, yeah. I think have Rangers in Florida, two of the deepest rosters. Um, Toronto's a little, more top heavy but they have yeah. kind of those older caliber guys but you look at tampa bay they got um obviously a good roster but they're kind of falling apart a little bit lately i just like the rangers chances man and it's really hard to not go all in on it and expect them to win and just but that's what you got to do that's your team if they crush you they crush you your heart's broken your heart's broken that's just what happens i know how excited you are uh, i appreciate you coming on the show to talk about all this stuff we got a lot more uh, hockey and some good amount of football left as well uh, not with our teams, though. But uh, Joe Casali, thanks for calling in <laughs> and uh, chatting on the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate having you on, as always. Yeah, for sure, man. It's been awesome.
Always a pleasure chatting with Joe Purcell. It is not a pleasure talking about the 2021 Cleveland Browns, but uh, I digress. We'll see where they go. A lot of good football, playoff football coming, and some hockey. We'll have to get Joe on during hockey season for sure to break down where the season leads us. All right, now we're talking college football with Matt Wittenberg, one of the college football experts on this show. We break down the college football semifinals. We can't seem to get a competitive game in that semifinal round. It's going to be Bama and Georgia again. They're playing for the title. We break down the Rose Bowl, the Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba show in that one. The Buckeyes win over Utah and a lot more thoughts from bowl season. It's Matt Wittenberg now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some college football. Not many games left. They got one tonight, one tomorrow. It's Matt Witt, or one next week, I should say. It's Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. College football season almost over. And uh, Witt, good to have you. But yet again, playoffs are just blowout city. Yeah, I feel like the uh, writing was kind of on the wall with this one. Although I have to say that I, I expected more out of the, uh, the Michigan-Georgia matchup. But, I mean, it's a... Uh, the same sto- same story, different year. Just the uh, SEC running train on four undermanned teams in the semis. So uh, something's kind of broken. But uh, I mean, hey, I'm still watching. You're still watching. College football fans are still watching. But hopefully, uh, some at some point, we get a little a uh, little bit of variety in here. Yeah, in the first game, I think New Year's Eve, Alabama and Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. That that went pretty much how people thought it would go. You can obviously say that Cincinnati let some chances go. It was funny. They, mm-hmm. they moved the ball after Alabama just ran the ball down their throats on the first drive. They were moving it, got first and goal. Saban called the timeout and just ripped his defense for the entire timeout. And, you know, surprise, no touchdowns for the Bearcats all game. But that had the, that had the type of feel where I thought it would be, where Bama with the big first half lead doing just enough, not showing all their cards. And if I felt like what if Cincinnati would have scored more points and Bama could have ramped up the offense as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, and they really made a concerted effort to stick with the ground game in this one. So they must have seen something, or Saban must have seen something that is like, yeah, we can definitely run on these guys. And Brian Robinson had his best game all year long. I mean, I don't think anyone expected him to put up over 200 yards on the ground in this game. So when you have a back, I mean, Bama produces backs left and right, but he wasn't really in the same category as a Najee Harris or. Derrick Henry or anything like that but he hey credit to him for showing up in the biggest game so far this season and I'm sure they're gonna have to lean on him pretty well in the um in the championship against Georgia yeah and uh, you wondered how they were gonna replace Mechie being out with the torn ACL maybe the answer is just more running you know maybe it's not Mm -hmm. passing it as much I guess we'll have to see next game but I'm also kind of at a crossroads um obviously I mean the bigger picture talk here is Cincinnati deserved to be there based on how the season went. They got some breaks and they got that number four spot. But the flip side is, I think we all know that they're not one of the four best teams in college football. That's an entirely different debate. And I don't know if, I don't know if playoff expansion is going to like, we can talk the bigger issue of, is it going to help the playoff field? Is it going to give us better matchups and maybe more parity, but it's definitely not going to help the power fives because this is about as, I mean, getting to two, two games away from a title is about as close as it's going to get. I just think there's going to be a bigger, uh, it's going to be a bigger hill to climb if you have to win three, maybe even four games to get all the way to the summit. Yeah, really, really hard to project what kind of impact it has. I guess like the optimistic view is that you get more teams with a 
shot at it. So then you have teams that can sell that to recruits that, hey, we actually have a legitimate shot to make the playoff year in and year out, not just these four with two or usually one, but like sometimes two spots being guaranteed to the SEC. So I think from that viewpoint, you can stand to like sort of sell that. And then obviously the big issue is the wide talent gap between Alabama and Georgia and everyone else right now. I guess Ohio State Clemson would be like that next year, but these two have just been stockpiling five stars left and right and then have had some really good coaching on top of that. So with that recipe, it's impossible to compete with. But I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think it, the expansion guarantees that we're going to see close semifinals. We might get more blowouts here and there, but at least the, I, in the long run, the hope is that it sort of starts to let, get things closer, maybe not t- entirely levels the playing field, but sort of, yeah, closes the margins a little so we get, get some sort of semblance of a competitive playoff. Well, the flip side of that, I think, is if you have the expanded playoff, you know, 8, 12, let's say, Bama's making it every year. Ohio State's in like 80 to 90% of the time. Clemson, you know, it's right. those teams are all going to make it every every year pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we'll see. I mean, it could be better. But Alabama back in the final where they'll play Georgia, who gets past Michigan in that 3-2 matchup. With This was a 7.5-point line, and uh, Georgia just destroyed them. They were up 27-3 to at halftime, kept pouring it on, a dominant performance uh, really, uh, what stood out above all else was Georgia's defense just mauling the Michigan O-line. Michigan's mm-hmm. offense that was stuck in neutral, they kept trying to go side to side, the swing pass, the little the little swings, the little screens, and it just wasn't there. And Georgia, with athletes at every position, just smothered them all game. Yeah, it seems like that uh, SEC championship game really woke them up and sort of lit the fire underneath them that they weren't just this like unbeatable force that they were all throughout the regular season. And I was really surprised. I thought this game was going to be a one, one score game. And I would have taken Michigan as far as like betting purposes go. I thought that seven, seven and a half was a lot of points to be uh, giving up there. So yeah, credit to Georgia, the defense, especially. And then I think the most surprising thing was how well Stetson Bennett played though. He hit some deep shots too. And then Brock Bowers is just a monster and, all of the both the main running backs, White and Cook, like they they tore it up, man. There's this game was over after the second possession, so yeah. Michigan gets stopped on fourth down, then Georgia goes right down to score again and go up fourteen nothing before anything. Yeah, and and it was, and it was another thing like the Alabama Cincinnati game where Georgia's offense just kind of stuck it in neutral, didn't want to get, didn't want to risk anything, you know, just put it on cruise mm-hmm. control. Third quarter on, it was pretty crazy. Um, to see and uh, I just think I mean this is this is just a bad performance by Michigan too I mean obviously it pains me to it say was, that yep. as you know but this is not just the opportunity being taken advantage of there was a lot of optimism in this game they just didn't have it um, it was it was rugged it was tough and it was very physical and violent so George I mean the SEC you mentioned it just completely dominating again and getting the rematch that you know, I think the fans might necessarily not want it, but from a football purist standpoint, these were the two best teams. So it's yep. only fitting that they're the ones in the final. Yeah, it definitely is. And at Michigan, I thought that the one of the big equalizers was going to be those pass rushers with uh, Hutchinson and Ojabo getting to uh, Stetson Bennett. But I'm not, I don't even think he got sacked, or he might have been sacked once. So, yeah, they Kirby Smart did a really good job prepping them for that, and just everyone executed on unbelievable level and you're right it's not the matchup that most of the country wanted to see it's not the matchup i wanted to see but i'll be tuned in and like 
watching it from the jump just because you're right. These are far and away the two best teams, and I'm, I'm fully expecting a competitive game. What's it, six and eight years Saban's going for? Is it something like yeah. that? Oh, my yep. gosh. Well, we're going to get to the preview at the end here. Uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect, some other games to talk about. I should also point out it was uh, a friend of the show, Sean Sullivan. We had a couple bad beats in the betting sphere. Uh, Georgia, <laughs> Michigan was one of those. The over in that game did not hit. Interceptions in the end zone. Kirby Smart mm-hmm. inexplicably just running the clock out, giving the ball back instead of kicking the field goal. The end of the first half, you name it. But yep. um, we had his Tennessee Purdue, you know, that bowl game where we <laughs> we were on the Vols side and you know had the Got points, like, over. <laughs> had like five and a half points, and it was great. We thought Hypo actually had the points too because he was going for it on fourth down, <laughs> uh, but that call didn't work. That was actually a very exciting game, and then. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. shift the four over. It's not the big story, obviously, but we did take Wisconsin to cover that game against your Sun Devils. And uh, hey, Wisconsin, that's what you get. <laughs> Wisconsin goes on a 10-minute drive up seven and just runs With, the nope. clock out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's like that's the epitome of a Wisconsin drive right there. That's insane. Like, I, I obviously was tuned in and watching him. I mean, I didn't didn't expect to win the game at all, but I was glad that it stayed close. So, um, But that's... That, was just demoralizing to well, watch them convert like every third third and three or whatever yeah. they'd have like that whole possession just like I do yeah, think that's, that's Wisconsin I mean it's hard to take a, a lot out of every bowl game because players are sitting out and you know it is different mm-hmm. different season and sometimes their staff changes we get that uh, and I did think you know your boy JT played pretty well I mean I thought your boy Daniels played pretty well but I think the bigger thing I wanted to ask you was what do you think that there's like a cloud over this program. Like, do you think something needs to happen for them to really reach that next step? Maybe even a, a step backwards and kind of reshuffling the deck a little bit, because it does feel like in my estimation that there's just some baggage hanging over this program that might be tough to overcome. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I'm sure most of it would probably stem from the like pending uh, sanctions within NCAA investigation that sort of just threw a cloud over the program. Uh, right before the season really got got started. So I've, I'm sure that's had a lot to do with it. There are some guys that opted out for good reasons to not play this game too. So like you said, it wasn't a full full strength effort. But it's just Herm Edwards has a couple of nice wins in his tenure so far, but we've never really gotten over that hump. Haven't won the division since he's been in charge. So it's it doesn't seem like it's going to improve, especially with recruiting being in the tank right now. So it's just like this like weird holding pattern where nothing's going to get better until there's changes made, and I'm not sure if that's going to happen af- until after this next season. And if like six and six or something is going to save his job, or if it does need to bottom out and win like two or three games to really spark change, it's just yeah. That's what makes it the most frustrating is that you just don't know like what it's going to take to get something to go yeah I, I just watched that game and you can even see with the opt-outs the roster's talented like it's not far off it's not a complete dumpster fire uh, but with and especially with the pressure coming on with you know Lincoln Riley bringing USC and probably yeah, exactly. reviving revitalizing a, uh, a down power the window's not going to last forever uh, so that was no, another, tough. that was another game uh, with another one was the Rose Bowl and uh, I got to talk about that one what a wild event. <laughs> I'm sure you what, do. Just, what an up and down wild event. There were opt outs, there was chaos, and we thought, okay, so the start of the game was good. Ohio State's defense was looking poor early. Offense started mm-hmm. a little sluggish. And then that second quarter stretch happened 
And uh, I've never seen anything like it in college football with all those points. That was incredible. And obviously with it being on the stage at the Rose Bowl, that's exactly what you want, especially with the game sort of like not being what it used to be with the the playoff and it not being a semifinal game this year. So it was awesome to see, especially a Utah team making their first trip there and then matching up with your Buckeyes who are old hat, old hat in the Rose Bowl at this point. But like you said, with that, it op, um, opt out. So yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba really took advantage of that I mean, being, Jesus the, being the go-to that was... guy. So. <laughs> well, that was exactly what happened in the uh, Nebraska game where he had 200 plus, I mean, he had more in this one, but, you mm-hmm. know, he lines up in the slot. They were moving, using him all over the field this game, but, you know, they don't double him. They kind of let him roam free, and you start watching it, and you're like, they can't guard him. And there's They're not even close to guarding him or shutting him down, and Stroud was no. just going at him left and right. I mean, two records, most passing yards in the Rose Bowl. Stroud at, like, 570-something. Uh, Smith and Jigbo with, like, 347 yards uh, receiving, yep. and that's with the fumble into the end zone. Uh, and that last catch where he wasn't even really looking at the ball until the last split second with Ryan Day's just classic reaction. It was a fun game. It showed me that Ohio State had a lot of flaws this year, even with the opt-outs, the defense. I mean, was just not at that A level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was fun, and it was good to see Ohio State rally and uh, win that one against the very game Utah team until their quarterback went out. Yeah, that was tough when, when Ryzen went down and then the backup having that awesome drive where he brings in the uh, down the field to score that touchdown to get back within three so it was yeah i'm sure that still had you uh had you pacing a little bit when that was going on but it was, it was a really fun game um, yeah yeah it did and uh i don't think that the final would have been it really wouldn't have changed too much because utah did as you mentioned they scored to tie it up late with with the backup in so mm-hmm. um no it was great marvin harrison jr making plays um no it was good and it gives me gives me hope for the next year obviously new d coordinator coming in that i think we broke the last time you were on this podcast so i think the defense will be better Uh, i just saw a team that would have had trouble against georgia so i'll let michigan take that l and uh, you know (laughs) see if they end the season with the rose bowl see if they even have a coach next year i don't know yeah (laughs) no that's uh that's about it as well as you can finish the season without making the uh, without making the playoff. I know, like you said, had the loss to Michigan, didn't win the Big Ten, but uh, a Rose Bowl win is a pretty pretty good consolation prize to go out on, yeah. especially with as much talent like like you said that's coming back for them next year. So Jim Harbaugh, by the way, is fifty eight years old. I don't think he needs to make that move to the pro level just yet. You know, with coaches <laughs> lasting a little longer, I think he's got to give this a couple years, just having finally yeah. gotten to the playoff. Yeah, I agree. It's, it seems like he just, yeah, he just established his program the way that he wants to sort of revamp the coaching staff last year, and that ended up in paying out big time this year. And seems like J.J. Uh, McCarthy could be a pretty solid quarterback too once he gets gets his feet under him. So yeah, I mean, seems like he loves loves Michigan, obviously. So I, it would be hard for me to see that, especially for I'm not sure how great the Raiders' job is, which is I guess the one that he's rumored to be interested in it right now yeah jim harbaugh um the mutual interests in the nfl might be just jim harbaugh interested in a new contract at michigan for all we know exactly yeah. and you know they'll give it to him <laughs> oh they will uh you know another game to think about too um speaking of leveraging situations for money mike gundy gets a big win in the fiesta bowl taking out notre dame at the big rally and again there was opt-outs and things to consider but oklahoma Left for dead, the offense finally gets rolling. It was about three poor halves of offensive football for Oklahoma State. 
and they mm-hmm. got going and they win and it was just a huge win for that program a huge year uh setting themselves up nicely for whatever the future of the big 12 is yeah that was uh i was i was texting our our mutual friend uh rob crowder oklahoma state alum about him like i think i'm gonna turn this one out off and go back to the citrus bowl and then sure enough after halftime the, his folks ended up in picking it up and then Spencer Sanders was great running it too. So they they were doing anything that they wanted in the second half. So not the best start for uh, Marcus Freeman in charge of Notre Dame, especially being a defensive guy. So you wonder if that played a little into having to try and like micromanage the defense while also getting used to being a head coach. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much you can read into that, mm-hmm. but it was just, yeah, very disappointing for them. Uh, Notre Dame hasn't won a BCS or New Year's Six game, I don't think, ever. I it's, think that their last win was pre-BCS in yeah. one of those games. So. 93, 94, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been forever. Um, so they would have liked to have gotten that monkey off the back, but it was a uh, yeah, great performance by Spencer Sanders down the stretch and play uh, ASU plays Oklahoma State in Stillwater next season, and I'm, I'm already bracing for that 20-point loss, but probably going to be in attendance, though, so that, that'll at least be fun. Yeah, it's the, it's the little things in life. Uh, but no, Oklahoma <laughs> State built it up on defense, and you know, got got abused in the first half, and then they did the abusing in the second half, and they turned it around. Their their ability to make in game in game adjustments. You saw it in Bedlam against Oklahoma. You saw it in this one, mm-hmm. and even in that game, they lost to Baylor. The defense came up big in the second half, so that's been their calling card. Uh, a couple more things I wanted to bring up with you uh, before we get to the uh, final of the uh, the bowl champion, the college football playoff final preview. Uh, the unfortunate news of uh, Matt Corral getting injured for Ole Miss, and that led to the bigger debate about opt-outs and opt-ins. And, you know, first things first, he's not going to be significantly injured. It looks like a high ankle sprain. That's a clear road to recovery. Draft status not going to be impacted, we think, which is good. Um, you know, it's it's triggered that bigger thing. Like, obviously, it sucks for him, and it sucks for his team how it went down, and then Ole Miss yep. losing that game. But if he wants to play, he can play. I mean, that's my my thought process. Now, we're, I understand the opting out for the reason of if you're a top player and it's going to preserve you know your position uh, in the draft. But hey, he wanted to play. I don't think we should go overboard in the sense of shaming players that want to play, regardless of how good they are. Exactly. That's yeah, firmly the camp that I'm in. Like, I'll support a guy that wants to opt out or a guy that wants to play. Like, that's whatever choice they want to make. That's the best for them. Then. Yeah, I'll never like knock a guy for getting hurt on a freak play because mm-hmm. he wanted to suit up with his guys one last time in, yeah. in a major bowl game. So, I mean, I'm glad that it's, uh, it doesn't seem like you said that's going to be anything serious for him. He was a ton of fun to watch this year and um, not a great quarterback draft either. So he very well yeah. could still end up being in that first round range, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, that game, obviously that took a lot out of the, the Sugar Bowl. It didn't end up being too great of a game to watch it. Um, Baylor's defense was really good, like they've been all season. And with yeah, with Matt Corral out of the fold, and Ole Miss just wasn't able to get a whole heck of a lot going. So, but kudos to Dave Aranda's squad. I mean, what a turnaround he's had there this year, the, within the span of a year. So, um, yeah, they they look like they're going to be really good again next year, and probably Big Twelve contenders. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and I understand as well, like running back, especially with Walker, like you don't need to take those unnecessary hits uh, in their game, Mm -hmm. Peach Bowl, and, and, you know, I understand it. Now, if you're in the camp of maybe I could play to improve my draft position, you know, that's one thing too. I understand the critique of, you know, I I think opt-outs should be reserved for the the special, the special, anybody has the right, but I understand why 
you know, why it would be critical if a player that's not even a first-round talent would do it. But, again, that's their choice. Uh, and as you said, we got to keep all these quarterbacks, these hopefully uh, Cleveland Brown quarterback potentials good. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're going to be in the market, at least. Maybe not next year, but the year after. Oh, God, I want to be in the market right now. Um, (laughs) All right, so last thing here on college football, uh, the championship game, the SEC title rematch, being played in Indianapolis, which is funny. I think Saban might have a satellite recruit camp set up around the week of the game. But uh, it's (laughs) Alabama and Georgia playing in Indy for the title. Georgia is a three-point favorite as it stands right now. Let's see if there's any line movement. No, oh, yeah, still three. Three-point yep, favorite for what Georgia. I see. Mm. Well, here's the, the, the two schools of thought, and this is the argument, and I'll present it to you. Georgia has the team. They weren't motivated last time as much as Alabama, who needed to win to get in. They were up 10 nothing, And the roster, the, uh, out, the fact that they've out-recruited Bama a couple times recently here, the fact that they haven't won the title in 40-plus years, if it's not going to happen now, it probably will never happen for Georgia and for Kirby Smart against mm-hmm. Nick Saban. But it's Alabama who's been here. They know these games. Saban knows how to coach, especially against his assistants. And they have the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. Two schools of thought. Who are you going with in this one? Uh, I feel like we're probably leaning in the same direction on this one. I'm going with Alabama. Um, they've looked amazing against Georgia in the SEC championship. Like I said, I'm expecting a way closer game this time around. But I still think that there's still the sort of Saban edge that he has and then there's might be a sort of like the George or the Alabama block in George's mind that's like can can we get over that hump and Alabama's really good on both sides of the ball too their offense is definitely better than George's offense and then their defense is probably not as far away from uh George's defense as a lot of people might think I mean Will Anderson's incredible so uh I'm, I'm going with Alabama in this one I think it'll probably be right about a field goal game too so Vegas knows what they're doing with that one. Um, and, yeah, I just think that Bryce Young is going to be able to make enough plays to put Alabama over the top. And then especially with, like, the ground game that they found against Cincinnati with uh, Brian Robinson, I think that's, uh, that's sort of the X factor going into this one. Yeah, I'm going Alabama. I need to see it to believe it that Kirby mm-hmm. can, beat, can beat Saban in a big game. Um, I uh, The over-under is at about 52 and a half. We might see that dogfight, but I'm actually kind of leaning over in this one. I think the offense will be out in full force in this one. I just like Alabama. Uh, I like Bryce Young to pick apart this defense uh, yet again, and I think it'll be a fun one. And uh, if Alabama does win this title, Matt, this might be the best coaching job Saban's ever done. Like it's in the shortlist discussion because this is not as talented as some of those teams that more or less coasted to titles. Yeah, definitely, especially um – having the best injury in the SEC championship game. So winning the title without one of your, your stud receivers too. So that's the, uh, yeah, it, that would definitely be up there for him. Um, I, I don't know if I trust Stetson Bennett enough to, to make enough big throws to win this game. He, he made, made some good throws against Michigan. Michigan is in Alabama. Um, so that's, yeah, when, especially when it's like the teams are this close in, in talent, then you side with the better quarterback, you side with the better coach. That's, Check two boxes for Alabama on that one. They started so well in the SEC title game, up 10 nothing. but then Bama flipped it around. If Georgia can get a lead and hold on to it, that could be the, the recipe for them. Maybe not built mm-hmm. for coming back. Yeah, um, like you said, though, if, if they don't win this one, then I'm not sure if they ever can because this is far and away their best team and their best shot at it. 
Well, I think we've said what needs to be said. It's going to be a, a fun end to the season. Uh, we made it through. There were some casualties, some bowls that weren't played. Um, we'll see LSU's playing tonight with like 39 scholarship guys. So mm-hmm. we'll limp no, into the finish fun. line, but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, we, we aren't going to talk baseball because I don't want Rob Manfred to come after me. So <laughs> <laughs> kick you off your own podcast. Just, just yeah. <laughs> come destroy me. Uh, Matt Wittenberg, appreciate you coming on, not just now, but all college football season. Thanks for always joining the money Mitch effect. Of course. Sad the season's already almost gone though. And that will do it for the first show of 2022. Thanks again to Joe Crisali and thanks again to Matt Wittenberg. Appreciate all the love and support from everybody listening to the show. You can, a reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. That's where you can subscribe. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Tell a friend. Tell a gram. Tell everybody. Tell everybody you know. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Hope you all had a great and happy and healthy New Year's Eve and New Year and the Christmas season went well for you and you enjoyed the holidays with your loved ones if you were able to do so. For Joe Crisali and Matt Wittenberg, my name is Mitch Michaels. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. We'll see you next time. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports. <laughs>